2 Timothy chapter 1, and I want to read verse 7 just as a starting point. I've been thinking about fear this last few days. Fear. Everybody deals with fear. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of any silly things? Um, spiders and things like that. Are you afraid of dogs? Or are you afraid of the cold? I think some people in my house are afraid of the cold. Um, are you afraid of things that will never happen? Do you ever find yourself fearing something and then when you actually think about it rationally, the chances of it actually coming to pass are so slim? There's all sorts of stuff to be afraid of in the world today. We've got terrorism and we've got global warming. We've got a pandemic, financial instability. We've got our health. We've got relationships, the future of our children, the state of the church, high cholesterol, high taxes, old age, pay cuts, debt, losing your job, losing your house, rejection and death. Are you glad you came to church? A nice cheerful start to the morning. There's a lot out there to be afraid of. A lot. And fear sells. Here is a rag of a newspaper that every year runs the same story round about October, November. I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but I started to just notice this trend in recent years. Um, I wouldn't buy this paper. I'm not going to name it, but... uh, Every year, without fail, they will run a headline about how the winter is going to be the worst winter ever in the history of civilization. You go into the shop some morning to get your milk or whatever on the way to work, and you see that it's going to be deadly floods to cause chaos for weeks, months of storms to batter Britain, storms on the way this Christmas, Siberian snow, 90 mile per hour, Arctic storm, and you get it every year. It's comical. And then you maybe get two frosts over the course of the winter after they have predicted this shocking weather. Fear sells. Get a headline on the newspaper that starts to cause people to be fearful. Will my pipes freeze and burst? Will I be able to afford to keep oil in the tank and keep the house warm? Is the car fit to cope with a really cold winter? If you get people fearful then they maybe buy the newspaper to read the article, even though it's utter nonsense. A survey was carried out on British newspapers in the 90s. This survey started in 1994. A selection of British newspapers were surveyed to see how often the term at risk came up in their articles. Where, you know, there'd be something about health or something about, you know, finances. And, and you'll hear about those who are at risk. And this term at risk, when this survey was done in 1994, the term at risk appeared 2,037 times in this selection of newspapers that were surveyed. The following year, they did it again, and it appeared 4,000 times. 
In the year 2000, they did it again, and the term at risk appeared in this selection of newspapers over 18,000 times. Newspapers run with selling fear. If you look at the movie industry, I watch a lot of trailers for films just to see what's coming up and whether it's worth watching or not. It's amazing in recent years, if you go to a, a website that just runs movie trailers, how many of the movies are based on fear? Horror movies, scary movies, movies about paranormal, demonic activity. How much of that industry is not about telling stories anymore? It's not really about entertainment. It's more about, we want to scare you. Come and pay to be terrified by what we will put on the screen. So I want to talk a little bit about fear. And I'm going to come back a bit later to, not to that, but to that. To what Paul writes in his last letter to Timothy. That's where we're going to end up at the end. But I want to look at what fear does to people. And in order to do that, there's various places you could pitch your tent. I'm going to 1 Kings 19. Should be familiar ground if you've been about for the last month or so. Because Nigel has enjoyed himself in the story of Elijah and had us in 1 Kings 19. I just want to read a couple of verses from 1 Kings 19 and show you five things. There are other things, but I want to show you five things that fear will do. And then we will come back to Paul and to Timothy and see how to overcome fear. So 1 Kings 19, I'm reading verses 1 to 5. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Elijah is God's man. Elijah has just seen the fire fall at Mount Carmel. Elijah told the rain to stop and the rain stopped. He told the rain to start again and the rain started again. He has seen some crazy stuff. Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, you've killed the false prophets of Baal. By this time tomorrow, Elijah, I'm going to do the same to you. That's Jezebel, threatening, intimidation. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Elijah was afraid. Here's some things that fear does. First of all, fear causes isolation. Fear drives you away from community and drives you into your own company. It says in verses 3 and 4, He came to Beersheba in Judah. He left his servant there. You who travel with me, you who assist me, you who probably know my heart more than anybody else, You're staying and I'm going on my own. And he wasn't going on his own to practice the 
brilliant Christian spiritual discipline of solitude and silence, which over the years, over the centuries, has been um, recommended and practiced that ability to get alone with God and get into quietness and get into places of silence, free from distraction and just be still. It's a beautiful thing. It's an important thing. That's not what Elijah was doing. He was not seeking solitude and silence. He was isolating himself from community. Fear drives you away from those who could bless you and drives you into isolation into loneliness, a very dangerous place to be. That's the first thing fear does in this particular story. Second thing, fear causes hopelessness. Once fear starts to get within us, fear of the past, fear of the future, fear of what people think, fear of failure, fears for your children, fears for your parents, once fear starts to get into you, it can cause hopelessness to set in. No hope for the future. No sense that things can change or can be different. He came to the broom brush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Hopelessness. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. That's another effect of fear. Remember, hanging over all of this is the threat of Jezebel, the intimidation And he runs to isolation and becomes hopeless. Third thing that fear does is it causes amnesia. That's when you forget stuff. Do you ever forget stuff? (laughs) Yeah, I forget stuff. I've told you before, my favorite app is the Reminders app. Because without the Reminders app, I forget stuff. I like writing lists because I forget stuff, you know. Can you remember anybody's phone number? Like anyone of, of my generation, whenever you wanted to phone your mate or your uncle or somebody when you were young, you just picked up the phone and you bashed in the number and you didn't even think about it. Whereas now you don't know anybody's number because you can just scroll to it on your iPhone or whatever and, and away you go. But fear causes us to forget. Causes us specifically to forget what God has done. You, if you know the story of Elijah, and it's a good story and it's an easy story to read. 1 Kings 17 and 18, Elijah told the rain to stop and it stopped. God stopped it. Elijah was fed by ravens. Ravens don't share food well. But Elijah sits at this little brook and ravens bring him food. Elijah saw a miraculous supply. He stayed at the home of a lady in Zarephath and her flour and her oil didn't run out the whole way through the drought. This jar of flour and this this jar of oil kept on replenishing. And no matter how much bread she made and cakes she baked or whatever, it still kept on refilling. I have sometimes prayed that over the oil tank in the back garden, (laughs) but it hasn't happened yet. Who saw a boy raised from the dead? Elijah did. Who saw fire fall from heaven? Elijah did. Who slaughtered the false prophets of Baal? Who started the rain? Elijah did. But when you're fearful, you get amnesia and you start to forget all of the things that God has done. Christians, the people of God, 
throughout the Bible, whether it is the, the Hebrews of the Hebrew Scriptures of the Old Testament, which is still our Bible, don't ignore it, or whether it's the, the Spirit-filled church in the New Testament, the people of God are a people who remember and have practices in their lives to remember. And we should remember the things that God has done. When you are fearful, think of the faithfulness of God. I am really undisciplined at keeping a journal, but I do keep one. <laughs> I just don't write in it as often as I'd like. But it's really good to flick back a year ago, two years ago, four years ago, five years ago, and see the faithfulness of God whenever you are fearful. Fear causes amnesia. Fear causes inactivity. Now, this is the last verse of 1 Corinthians 18. Stephen likes his running, but I don't know if he could outrun a chariot. Maybe you could. But at the end of 1 Corinthians 18, Elijah is on foot. Ahab is in his chariot. And Elijah says to Ahab, you better boot on home to Jezreel. Um, and Elijah starts running. And it says, the power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Chariot, Elijah, and Elijah's running. But then when fear comes in, the runner, the sprinter, the active one, the mover, becomes the one who's sitting down, inactive. Fear cripples, it paralyzes. It, it grinds us to a halt, convinces us that we cannot actually do what God has called us to do. It can bring a ministry to its knees, inactivity. Fear associated with past events or incidents can then affect present decisions. Some of the fears, I have huge dreams that I want to see in this town. You know that. You share that. But I also have fears. I don't deny fear, okay? I don't say there's nothing to be afraid of. We'll touch on that later. What if it fails? What if we do it and it fails? <laughs> what if we, we do it and it's the wrong timing? And when you think about that, like, could you imagine having a conversation with Jesus and saying, I would like to bless this community, but maybe now's not the right time. <laughs> and I can imagine Jesus saying, what? <laughs> you want to bless people and you think you shouldn't do it? <laughs> I fear sometimes timing. I fear sometimes, and being just totally honest here, I, I fear burnout and lack of, of man power and woman power and boy and girl power. Girl, I just said girl power. I thought of the Spice Girls there as I said that. I didn't mean that. But there's a fear of a lack of actual resource and human resource to get things done. There's a fear. What happens if, the, if things that happened in the past happen again? What happens? Have you, ever, have you ever poured love into a person and that person has then walked away? Does that mean that for the rest of your life you never pour love into another person again? You can't be governed by the fears of what has happened in the past. Otherwise, you will just stagnate, sit still. You who ran, 
you who were called to run and the spirit of God, the power of God came on you and you ran and then fear has you just sitting, inactive. I remember speaking to a pastor one time a few years ago and we were quite early in church planting and he said to me, I'll give you one bit of advice. And he said, trust no one. And I thought, my goodness, mate. And it's quite obvious that man has been badly hurt. But that hurt of the past has caused a fear within him that he cannot trust again. You can't live your life not trusting people. There's a verse in the Bible that terrifies me. Maybe that's too strong a word. I don't know. Sometimes it's good to be terrified by the word of God. But there's a verse. Jesus tells this story in Matthew 25 about about a guy giving talents, giving money, giving gifts, whatever way you want to look at it, to to different people. And, And one of them got... I can't remember in Matthew's account whether he got five or ten and then the other one got a lesser number and then one guy got one talent, one gift, one piece of gold. And they were all told, when the master left, they were all told, you take what you've got and invest it. Use it. Be active with the gift that I have given to you. And he comes to the last guy who has just buried the thing that the master gave him. And he sort of thought, I'm going to look after this. I'm going to make sure it's safe. I'm going to give it back to him when he comes. And when the master comes and the guy is asked to give account for what he has done, he says, I was afraid. Fear. I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold. I hid your talent. I hid the gift. I hid the ministry. I hid the calling in the ground. Fear causes inactivity. I was afraid. So I took the thing that you gave me to do and I wrapped it up and I put it in a box and I buried it so it would be all nice and clean for you when you came back. But I did nothing with it. That genuinely rattles me. It really does. And I tell you, every I believe passionately every single person is gifted by God. In many different ways. And the thought of burying that out of fear is a very real a reality check. What are you doing with what you've been given? Has fear caused you to bury it? Another thing that fear does, and this is the last one, it does many other things, but these are just some that have pulled out of this story. Fear causes exhaustion. He lay down under the bush and fell asleep. Whenever you're fearful, and, and, and Linda could explain this a lot better than me, the, the brain science of fear. You've got this wee boyo in your brain called your amygdala. Is that the right one? Your amygdala. And whenever you are, your, your amygdala is sometimes described as like a, an early warning system. It's like an alarm system that goes off and prepares you for fight or flight, for response to danger. Before you're even maybe aware of it, your brain is already kicking in. And if you're living in constant fear and constant anxiety, then your amygdala is just pumping overdrive and keeping you in a constant state 
of tension, constantly prepared to take action regarding the thing that you fear that might not ever happen and probably will not ever happen. Physically, you feel it. Your pupils dilate. Your heart beats faster. Your breathing gets faster and shallower. Your blood pressure rises. And you maybe don't do any physical work in a day. And you maybe, you know, it could be your day off. But at the end of it, you're utterly exhausted. That's because fear is causing your body to just be in this constant state of tension. And it could be, for any one of us, it could be a different thing. As I said already, fear of the past, fear of the future, fear of what people will think, fear about how the future will work out for your children, fear about family members, fear about health, fear about your job, fear about finances. And it causes you, and you don't even realize it, your amygdala is one of those smart, really, everything's smart in, in this amazing creation of God, but it's one of those really smart bits that just works away and you don't even realize it. And you can subconsciously just be living in constant tension and it exhausts you. So fear causes isolation. We go off on our own. It causes hopelessness. I've had enough, Lord. It causes amnesia. We forget the things that God has done. It causes inactivity. We sit when we should be running. And it causes exhaustion. And what do we do with fear? You can numb it. Lots of different ways that people will try to numb their fears. You can ignore it. You can deny it. You can sort of you know, put the chest out and stand up straight and ignore fear. And there's a lot to be afraid of. Here's, here's one of the greatest lies ever spoken. There's nothing to be afraid of. You know, when you're trying to get a young child to go down the hall and get something in their bedroom late in the evening and it's dark and you say to them there's nothing to be afraid of that's true <laughs> when you say to somebody in life who is victim to real fears and you turn and say there's nothing to be afraid of that is a lie there's a lot to be afraid of there are many things to be afraid of what we need is encouragement and hope for people to stand up and say, there are things to be afraid of, but I am not going to be afraid. Nelson Mandela said, I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. I don't want to live a life that is devoid of things to be afraid of but I want to live a life of triumph over those things. I learned that courage was not the absence of fear, but the triumph over it. The brave man, the brave woman, the brave young person is not he or she who does not feel afraid, but he or she who conquers that fear. We're going to talk about how to do that. Here's some, just some truth about fear the bible talks about fear an awful lot an awful lot it's a big deal when i am afraid king david says in the psalms this is when he's on the run from saul and a group of bloodthirsty men trying to catch him and kill him when i am afraid what do you do i put my trust in you in god whose word i praise in god i trust and i'm not afraid what can mere mortals do to me do you live in fear 
of other people. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, no one can lay a finger on us. Here's another one. Still, David, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. It's never just a sort of a a decision, I'm not going to be afraid. It's I'm not going to be afraid because. I'm not going to be afraid because I'm trusting God. I'm not going to be afraid because God is with me. You understand? It's not just a positive mental attitude or something like that. It is based and grounded on truth. God's with me. I'm not going to be afraid. Psalm 27, again, David, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He's the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, anybody feel that? It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Why? Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. It's all contingent on God. Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 just as we finish off. I want to talk about the spirit that overcomes or who overcomes fear. I, um, <clears throat> I make a fuss about the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. And I like to stretch our thinking about the Holy Spirit over and over again. If you've been around for a while, you know that. That the Holy, the entire Christian life is in the Spirit from start to finish. It's not just that the, the Spirit shows up at wee points now and again. The entire Christian life is an empowered, Spirit-filled, Spirit-transformed life. Don't limit him. And I want us to, to give you an aspect of the ministry of the Holy Spirit today that you maybe haven't thought about. The Holy Spirit empowers us to overcome fear. We hear about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and various other aspects of the Holy Spirit's work. Here's another one. He helps us to overcome fear. This is 2 Timothy 1.7. Now, can't remember what version of the Bible this is from, but I'm going to put up a couple of versions and then I'm going to be cheeky and audacious enough to put up my own. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Here's another one. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love and self-discipline. Now there's a really important difference between those two renderings. And it might not look important, and you've heard it before if you've been around a while, but I want you to note, in this first one, you see the word spirit? Lowercase s. And that causes you to think, well, a spirit, that's just an attitude or an atmosphere, or, you know, we don't have a spirit of fear, we don't have an atmosphere of fear, we have a spirit of power. So we have this sort of attitude. It's a weird, fluffy, fuzzy, meaningless word when it's got a small s. This is the NIV, one among many fantastic translations. This is probably the influence of a guy on the translation committee called Gordon Fee, who I love. And you'll see that Spirit has got capital S. 
And when you read that, suddenly you realize we're not just talking about an atmosphere or an attitude or an environment, a spirit, you know, a fuzzy, meaningless, empty word. We're talking about the Holy Ghost. We're talking about God's Holy Spirit. And the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I've merged a couple of versions together to come up with this, which is very similar. There's nothing weird going on here. Don't worry. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but he gives us the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, of power, love, and a sound mind, which is another way of rendering self-discipline sound mind. So, this word timid, just by the way, timid, timidity happens when you're intimidated. This doesn't mean, when Paul writes to Timothy about timidity, being timid, I don't think he just means that Timothy was maybe a wee bit shy, a wee bit quiet, didn't want the spotlight or, or didn't want to, to be the center of attention. I think Timothy was being intimidated, just like Elijah was intimidated by Jezebel. Threats, harsh words spoken to intimidate Timothy. So, so I, I've in the past sometimes just viewed Timothy as a quiet lad, nice fella bit shy, bit backward, maybe. But I'm starting to think, no, somebody was intimidating him. Somebody was trying to silence him with her threats. And the, the message that I want to bring here as we draw to a close is that if we're going to overcome fear, then we must have power, love, and a sound mind. And this all comes from the Holy Spirit. And if we don't receive the Holy Spirit, and we don't have power, love, and a sound mind, Fear will control us. Fear will destroy us. Fear will isolate us, causes exhaustion, all of those things that we talked about before. So let's look at what the Holy Spirit gives us. And keep in mind the whole time, this is a work of the Spirit. These are not random words. Just chuck in the word power there because it sounds good. No, this is the Holy Spirit who gives power. You know probably that the word, the Greek word for power is dunamis, from which we get the English word dynamite. That is the explosive power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You will not overcome fear without it. Okay? If, if fear is an issue, and it is an issue for everyone who has a pulse, if fear is an issue, you will not overcome it without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not about my strength, my willpower. Listen to me. It is not about my determination. I am not going to live in fear today. I'm not going to live in fear today. No, it is about the power of the Holy Spirit within us to overcome fear and not be governed by fear. I've told you again and again, I am not a strong person. You are not strong. None of you are strong. We are not strong. We are strengthened okay we are weak people who are strengthened by the power of the holy spirit once i think i am strong i'm finished when i realize that i am weak then god's strength can make can become perfect in my weakness 
I am not strong. I am strengthened. And to overcome fear requires strength. And to receive that strength and power, we need to receive the Holy Spirit. I think to, to cultivate this, this power, you need to focus on Jesus. I think you need to meditate on him. You need to read about him. You need to speak to him. Keep your focus on Jesus and you will receive more and more power, I believe, of the Holy Spirit to overcome fear. I don't like saying, go and listen to me. But if you didn't hear this message, I think this is one of the most important messages that I have ever preached. And it was a message that I've preached several times in different contexts. From Revelation 1, I preached it right back at the start of lockdown here. And it's on SoundCloud. And it was entitled, Don't Be Afraid, Look at Me. And how focusing on Jesus overcomes fear. It might be one if you haven't heard it and if fear is an issue to go back and check out. He gives us the spirit of power. He also gives us the spirit of love, agape. This is when you decide to love people. This is the love that you unconditionally yourself will towards other people. It's the love that exists as well in the community, in the body of Christ. And this is how you counteract the isolation. Fear tries to drive you into isolation and into loneliness. The Holy Spirit of love, remember, this is not just love, this is not just a feeling. This is not just a nice atmosphere. Oh, we all love each other. No, this is the Holy Spirit who produces the fruit of the Spirit, love, in our lives. And I tell you that one of the ways to overcome fear is to be in a loving community. Not under a bush on your own, having left your servant behind. Thank God that the angel of the Lord came and ministered to Elijah. But that instinct when we are fearful to run and be on our own is not healthy. The Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit gives us love and loving community. And that's where fear is overcome. I haven't got the verses on the screen, but John in his first letter writes that perfect love casts out fear. Yeah? How do you get rid of fear? Love. There is no fear in love. And love is not just restricted for your family or the Christian community. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy. You will not fear your enemy if you love your enemy. Try praying for your enemy who intimidates you, your Jezebel, and see how the fear of that person goes down because you are overcoming fear with the spirit of love. And the last one is a sound mind. What this literally means is a healthy mind. Is your mind healthy or is it chaotic? I remember one time describing how I was thinking as being like a tumble dryer. Ever shoved some stuff in the tumble dryer and a few pennies come out of your pocket and there's, you know, there's the, the, the button on your jeans banging off the tumble dryers and stuff goes round and I just felt that was my head. Stuff was just banging and rattling around over and over and over and over again. The Holy Spirit gives us a sound mind, healthy thinking. Paul writes in, in Romans 12 verse 1 about our mind being renewed. Let me just read it so I don't mess it up. 
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Healthy thinking. Your mind gets renewed as the Word and the Spirit work together. Open this every day. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. Word and Spirit do their work and start to bring healthy thinking where there is chaotic thinking. Jesus' most common command, don't be afraid. If he kept saying it, then it's possible to live it. He would not have commanded it if we could not do it. And overcoming, just to summarize, overcoming fear is a work of the Holy Spirit. You're not doing it on your own. Get that lie out of your head. Get the lie out of your head that there's nothing to be afraid of. There is loads to be afraid of. But the Holy Spirit of God gives us power, gives us love in community, gives us healthy thinking in truth, and we can overcome fear. I'll leave you with one more word from Nelson Mandela. May your choices reflect your hopes, not your fears. How many of us, me included, our choices, even in small things, are are a reflection of what we are fearing. I don't want to do that because I am afraid of what somebody might think. I don't want to do that because I'm afraid that it might not work and I'll make a fool out of myself. Do not let your choices reflect your fears, but instead let hope and let the power of the Holy Spirit impact your choices. Let's pray.